Lord, we just thank you for the body of Christ. You're beautiful, Lord. And your body is beautiful, even though uh, we're still stained with sin. And yet you wash us with your word and with your blood so that in Christ we are blameless and we stand in your righteousness today, rejoicing in the ministry that you've given us, Lord. You don't want us just to sit and soak. You want us to serve you, Lord. I pray that we continue to serve you and to be generous with whatever you have given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus uh, said to the thief on the cross, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Oh, yes. I heard all too well what Jesus said to that man, that thief hanging next to him. And it was drastically different than what he said to me. The day I first encountered Jesus, I dropped to my knees right there in front of him. He had my respect from the start. I wasn't looking for a handout. I had done the hard work. But I just needed to know. Was I missing something? Was there some good thing that I could do to inherit eternal life? Sell all I possess. Sell all that I possess? That's what he told me. Sell it all and give it to the poor. That's how I'll inherit treasure in heaven? Yeah, right. I was always taught that salvation is a reward for a life full of good works. It's not a handout to those who don't have enough character to earn it. My wealth is a sure indication of God's favor for me. I had asked how to receive eternal life. But this disgusting shell of a man hanging next to him, he's the one who gets it? Jesus told him that very day that he died, he'd be in paradise. This thug couldn't bleed a drop of goodness that he hadn't borrowed. No stolen from the righteous man hanging next to him. He was the thief. Yet I was treated as if I had been robbing God all along. I offered to do what I had to do. That man offered nothing. All he could do was plead for mercy. And that's how he got eternal life? As if it was just some kind of, some sort of gift? A gift? Maybe it is just a gift. Would you stand for the reading of God's word and Ethan and Jana Bonico, you're going to read today? Second Corinthians, chapter 9, I think Ethan's going to do chapter 8.
2 Corinthians 8, 9, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Through he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that by his poverty he could make you rich. And I'll continue with 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 15. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Amen. Thank you, Jana and Ethan. Appreciate that. And you can be seated. Just wanted to mention uh, next week, Pastor Randy Spar. Where's Randy? There's Randy. Randy and Diane. Raise your hand. Woo. Uh, Randy's going to be preaching next week because there will be about 25 or 30 of us going out to the Badlands for a men's retreat. And uh, Randy is going to be preaching the Word of God. I've known Randy for a long time, like since 1977. So we're getting old, Randy. But uh, I've always appreciated his love and his leadership and Diane, their friendship, and he just, uh, he loves the Lord. He's been doing uh, a hospice chaplain for what, is it 15 years now or 13? Close. Preacher count, 15. Let's just call it 15. (laughs) Anyway, we're we're finishing up on the 40 days of community, and uh, the title of this message is Living a Generous Life. And when you think of community, the word for community in the Bible is the word fellowship. And the word fellowship in the Bible is a Greek word, and it's the word koinonia. And koinonia is such an important word, it's translated many different ways because kind of like a diamond has multiple facets to it, so does fellowship. In the Bible, koinonia is translated as not just fellowship, but it's also translated community, It's also translated participation. It's also translated contribution. And it's also translated generosity. This is important because all four of these are essential elements of fellowship. I mean, if you and I are going to have real, true Christian fellowship together, there's got to be a sense of community. 
There has to be some participation on my part and some participation on your part. There has to be a contribution where I make a contribution into your life, you make a contribution into my life. There has to be generosity. You cannot have community without generosity. Generous with our time and our talents and our energy and our money and our resources, our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, our witness. So you really can't enjoy community without these other things. Participation, communication, or contribution and generosity. Just let me give you a few examples in the Bible. Philippians 4.15, it says, you became my partners in giving. The phrase partners in giving is one word in the Greek language. It's the word koinonia. Partners in giving is the same word for fellowship. And then Hebrews 13.16, keep doing good and sharing your resources. That phrase, sharing your resources, that's the word for community, for fellowship, koinonia. And then 2 Corinthians 8, 4, they begged us to let them have the joy of giving their money for God's people. That phrase, the joy of giving their money, it's actually the word for fellowship, and it's another word for koinonia. And then lastly, 1 Timothy 6, 18, be generous and willing to share. That phrase, willing to share, is just one word in the original in the Bible. It's the word koinonia. And you can't have community without generosity. And I want to complete our 40 days of community by looking at how to be more generous with each other. Before we get into it, there's an interesting uh, quote from Carl Menninger. Uh, Carl Menninger is the famous Christian psychiatrist who founded uh, the famous Menninger Psychiatric Clinic. And he said this, generosity is one of the essential components of mental health. We have found that that generous people are rarely mentally ill. Isn't that good to know? Generous people are rarely mentally ill. So why does God want us to learn to be generous with each other? I think there's many benefits. I just want to share five today briefly. Benefit number one, generosity creates community. 1 Corinthians 9 tells us your generosity not only provides for the needs of God's people, but also produces prayers of thanksgiving to God. I mean, when we are generous with each other, we thank God for each other, and we're drawn closer to each other. The Bible says in Matthew 6, your heart will be wherever your treasure is. In other words, wherever I put my time and my money and my effort and my energy, wherever I invest myself, that's what's going to attract me. You know, my my money kind of tends to be a magnet. In other words, if you want to get a heart for Microsoft you know, buy some stock. You know, real simple, right? Wherever you put your time and your money, that's where your heart is. And that's what Jesus said. For some of you, your heart is in your boat, you know? That's where you're putting your time and your money and your energy. For some of you, your heart is in your home. That's where you're putting your time, your money, your energy, you know, fixing it up. Or your heart might be in your work. That's where you're putting your time, your money, and your energy. Or it might be in a hobby. That's where you're putting your time, your money, your energy. Wherever your treasure is, your heart is going to be there. So anytime I'm generous with you, or I'm generous with the poor, or I'm generous with anybody, with God or anybody, that's where my heart tends to go. And every time I give to God, it just draws my heart closer to God. And every time I give to you, it draws my heart closer to you. Listen, generosity creates community. I mean, the first Christians, the early church, In Acts chapter 4, they were famous. They were known for their generosity. Acts 4 tells us, The community of believers, they shared everything in common. They were like a family. No, it wasn't communism. It wasn't forced sharing. 
They shared voluntarily. Generosity creates community. Another benefit, number two, generosity defeats materialism. You know, when I'm, you know, the more generous I am with you, the more it defeats materialism in my life. I mean, would you agree that we all live in a culture of materialism? Some think the one who dies with the most toys wins. No, the one with the most toys still dies, whether you got toys or not. The antidote for materialism, there's only one antidote, and it's generosity. Every time you're generous, you have a spiritual victory in your heart. Every time you're, you're generous, your, your heart grows. It just doesn't shrink. It grows. Every time you're generous, you, you break that grip of materialism in your life. Why? Because materialism is all about getting. You know, get, get, get. It's my nature to get and to hold on. And God says, every time you share with a friend, every time you share with a, a brother and sister in Christ, every time you share with your family, you share with a neighbor, anytime you're generous with anybody, you are breaking the grip and defeating materialism in your life. The Bible says this, Matthew 6, 24, you cannot serve both God and money. It doesn't say you should not. It says you cannot. You cannot. It's an impossibility. You can't have two number ones in your life. You can't say making a lot of money is number one in my life and God is number one. One of them has to be number one. You have to choose what's going to be number one. So anytime you're generous with other people, you're creating community with them and you're also defeating materialism. Number three, third benefit, it strengthens my faith. Generosity strengthens my faith. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9.13, your giving proves the reality of your faith. You know, it's our nature, is it not, to amass and to hoard and to stockpile and accumulate to get it all for myself and to be fearful and insecure and think, you know, I can't give anything away. I've got to keep it all because how am I going to take care of myself? Jesus said, life does not consist in the abundance of things. Life does not consist in what you collect, but it's what you give. You know, there are two kinds of people in life, right? There's givers and takers. Only two. You're either a giver in life or you're a taker. Takers are always the unhappy ones. It's not by accident that the word miser and miserable come from the same Greek word. Miser and miserable. When I'm a miser, I will be miserable. The most giving, the most generous people in life are always giving their time. They're always giving their energy and their resources, helping other people. They're the happiest people on the planet. So money actually becomes an, the acid test of my faith. You know, am I going to be generous and expect God to keep his promises to me? You know, a lot of people, even believers, you know, when it comes to money, they act like, like atheists, like, like God isn't there, like the promises in the Bible about tithing, you know, aren't true, or like the promises about seeking first the kingdom of God isn't true. What happens when I start becoming a more generous person? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, God is able to make it up to you by giving you everything you need and plenty left over to give joyfully to others. God says, you know what? You know, if you practice this generosity thing, being generous with the people around you, I will make it up to you by giving you everything you need. Plus, I'll give you even more so so that you'll have more to share with other people. God is looking for people just like you. He's looking for channels. He's looking for people to say, God, use me to be a blessing 
to other people. And in the meantime, you get blessed in order to be a blessing. And God says, if you learn to be generous, I'm going to bless you more than you can imagine. At Calvary, we should believe in faith raising. Faith raising, not fundraising. Faith raising. Generosity strengthens my faith. Today, uh, it's that Sunday where a circuit rider gets on his horse and he rides up to the pulpit and he shares uh, all these pearls of wisdom. So it's Jason Metters. He's going to come and share a little bit about uh, generosity uh, from the Word of God and from his uh, point of view and his experience. So thank you, Jason, for doing this. God bless you. Pretty good. Good morning, Calvary. Um, as we think about generosity and think about what that looks like, think for a moment, perhaps there's been a time in your own life that you have been the recipient of generosity. Now, I'm sure most people have had at least a basic uh, opportunity to be a recipient of generosity. Maybe a coworker goes to the snack machine and comes back with extra Doritos and tosses them on your desk. I mean, sure, that's, that's generosity. But if you think, I bet some of you, um, myself included, uh, have had an experience where uh, someone or some group has really, really, really sacrificially given something for you. I know that absolutely happened in, in my life. Um, we had a, a number of years ago, uh, our daughter uh, had some very, very severe uh, medical concerns, uh, some very severe medical issues, uh, and spent a lot of time in the hospital in Minneapolis. And we were surrounded by a community that gave very sacrificially so that our needs would be met. Our needs of traveling back and forth to Minneapolis, uh, our needs of those extra expenses that we had, um, things like that. Uh, and when you're the recipient of something like that, it really changes, I think, your outlook. Think what it would be like if the church as a whole, and when I say the church, I'm talking about, yes, Calvary United Methodist Church here, but I'm talking just the global church. Think about if everyone who considered themselves a Christ follower gave sacrificially all the time. You know, I don't know exactly what unbelievers think when they look at the church, but do you think the first thing that comes to mind is, wow, those are some generous people? I'm not convinced that that's the first thing that comes to mind. But imagine what our world would look like if that were the case. Imagine what our world would look like if we just simply looked around and just started meeting needs and started giving, 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 giving. Yes, financially giving, but also giving of our resources, giving of our times, giving of our efforts, giving of our talents to those around us. Think about what an impact that would make. You know, generosity begins... With Jesus, I thought it was great that, uh, that Ethan read this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He read in verse 9, he said, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes, yet for my sake, he became poor. So that you, so that me, through his poverty, might become rich. Now, obviously, Jesus didn't have a 401k, right? Uh, Jesus didn't have money stashed away in a Roth IRA. He wasn't on a pension of some sort. Um, so it's not talking financial richness, right? But Jesus, 
creator and sustainer of all things, he had every resource he could ever want or need at his finger. He created it all. But what did he do? He gave sacrificially for you, and he gave sacrificially for me. And he had all those resources, and he set them aside, and he he essentially gave those things to us so that we might have fellowship with him. And what a great picture for us as Christ followers about how we should live our lives and the generosity that we should have that's a natural outpouring of our relationship with him. You know, living in Fargo, North Dakota, I think that we could as a whole say we are a very blessed people. And so I wonder, how can we share, how can we be generous, what can we give as members of Calvary? Well, I think there's a lot of ways. Um, Perhaps one of your neighbors is having a child, you could have a baby shower um, for that family. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, if you have children and they're like mine, they outgrow everything all the time. (laughs) And so those hand-me-downs that are in the closet that aren't being handed down, perhaps you could bless another family by passing those things along. Maybe you have some neighbors and some of that spring cleanup in the yard. Maybe your neighbors don't have as much mobility as they did at one point in life. So maybe one day, this spring, you just go over and get all the sticks out of the yard. You rake up the leaves that are left over. Maybe you start mowing the grass for them on occasion. Mow your own lawn, go next door, mow the neighbors. Maybe uh, somebody in your neighborhood, somebody in your small group just needs a meal once in a while. Maybe it's difficult for them uh, to kind of put the pieces together and have that done. So you can go knock on the door and bring them a tater tot hot dish, right? Can share love in that way. Um, Maybe you would sponsor a kid to participate in upward sports. Maybe you would sponsor one of our youth to go on the youth Uh, trip or a youth mission trip that they otherwise would not be able to afford. Maybe it's volunteering at the pink house with our international students. Uh, Maybe it's volunteering to help out at the block party. You know, as you leave these doors today, right outside there, there's a whole table full of ways that you can be generous. And all you do is you just write your name down and you say, yeah, I'll commit to buying some uh, root beer for root beer floats, or I'll commit to spending some of my time some of my generosity, some of the things I've been blessed with, I want to share with others, and here's where and how I'll do it. And you sign up for that. And if you're like me, I know that sometimes I'm guilty of this very thing. We'll be praying and we'll say, God, there are people in our community that struggle with food security. Help them get the food they need. Help them have a peace about food and where their meals are going to come from. And just really help them in that way. And yet, I will clean out my fridge and I'll throw out leftovers. Or I'll go in the the pantry and I'll toss some bread that went stale. You ever think that maybe when we're praying those things, that God's just looking at us going, well, hello. (laughs) I gave you things to help them. (laughs) That's why you have those things. (laughs) Will you please just use those things uh, in the way that I intended you to use those? Um, there was a, a song on the radio, uh, Christian radio, that uh, has been popular the past few years. One of the lines says, God put a million, million doors in the world for his love to walk through. And one of those doors is you. And one of those doors is me. So Calvary, I would challenge us uh, as we move forward and as we finish out our 40 days of community, let's just look around us. 
Let's look around us at needs that other people have, real needs. And let's look for ways to meet those needs. Let's look for ways that we can give sacrificially and that we can give, give, give very generously of the things that we have been blessed with in order to bless our community. Thanks. Thank you so much, Jason. I'm just going to kind of mention the last two points so you can fill in the blanks. Because Jason just did an awesome job to wrap it up. But uh, number four, another benefit. When I'm generous with other people, it's an investment in eternity. The Bible says... Use your worldly resources to benefit others. In this way, your generosity stores up a reward for you in heaven. So when we're generous with other people, it's an investment for eternity. And then lastly, the last benefit, generosity uh, blesses me. You know, we get blessed when we bless others, then we can bless others some more. I mean, it's just a, it's just a cyclical thing. And Jesus himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. So how can I practice generosity? In the verse that was read, or one of the verses, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, talks specifically, I think, about four key heart attitudes uh, when you and I give. And the verse goes like this, "You you must make up your own mind as you... Think about how much you should give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. So just jot down these four attitudes. I'll I'll do the first three rather quickly, and then I'll emphasize uh, um, the verse that Ethan read and also that Jason read uh, at the end here. But four hard attitudes from this verse. First, give thoughtfully. Write that down. You know, make up your own mind. Decide in your heart. Think about it. You know, I don't, you know, it's, it's okay to give impulsively, but, you know, I think the Bible's pretty clear about it. You should think before you give. Make up your mind. Think about it. Pray about it. Give thoughtfully. Another hard attitude is give enthusiastically. You know, not reluctantly, but give enthusiastically. That word, uh, enthusiastic or enthusiasm, it comes from two Greek words. En, meaning in, and theos, meaning God. In God. You know, God is in us when we believe, and I am in God. And so because of that, we can give enthusiastically. And then, not only thoughtfully, enthusiastically, but another hard attitude, give voluntarily. This isn't communism. We can give voluntarily. Don't do it under pressure. Not under compulsion. So give thoughtfully, enthusiastically, voluntarily, and then the last hard attitude is give cheerfully. I mean, give with joy. It's interesting that one of the Greek words for offering is the word hilarious in the Greek language. It's a form of hilarious. Um, It's a hilarious thing uh, to give um, in the power of the Holy Spirit. God loves a cheerful giver. That verse that uh, Ethan mentioned and Jason mentioned, you know, 2 Corinthians 8, 9, oftentimes I quote this even when I pray because I like to think about this. I like to think about the grace of God. I like to think about the generosity of God because none of us deserve it. 
It says, even though, you know, he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor. That through his poverty, we might become rich. He's not talking about money here, obviously. He's talking about the true riches of life, the wealth of life. He says, the God of the universe humbled himself, came to earth in human form in Jesus Christ. He went through all the trials and all the tribulations and all the hassles that we do. But then he allowed himself to be falsely accused, put on a cross and crucified. This is the God who created it all. He could have come off that cross in a second. Could have called 10,000 angels, but he didn't. He stayed there to pay for the sins of the world. And he said, I'm doing this so that you can go to heaven. I'm doing this so that you don't have to pay for your sins. All your past will now be forgiven. And you don't have to go to hell because I paid for all the things that you've done wrong. And I paid for them on the cross. And not only have I paid for your past, but I'm giving you a purpose for the future. You know, when we baptize people, we say dead to sin, alive to God. Yeah, we identify with the death of Christ and what he did for us, but also we have the power of God, you know, through his resurrection. He makes us alive. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is supposed to be in every believer so that we can do what he wants us to do. Otherwise, we'll just burn out and in a blaze of glory. Acts 15, 11, We're saved because of Jesus out of sheer grace, out of sheer generosity. Move to save us. And the only reason you're going to heaven is because of the grace of Jesus Christ. It's because of the generosity of Jesus Christ. That's, what, that, that's why he wants us to learn to be generous. The Bible tells us that we give because he first gave to us. So let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the benefits of being generous. I know that everything I have, God, is a gift from you, just like the skit. You know, everything's a gift. I have nothing if it weren't for your grace, your generosity. I know that you want me to learn to be like you. Help me to remember That every time I'm generous, it creates community. It defeats materialism. It strengthens my faith. Help me to see it as an investment for eternity. Jesus, I know that I'll never be able to repay you for what you've done for me. But I want to learn to be generous like you, giving thoughtfully, enthusiastically, voluntarily, cheerfully. I want to give my thanks through giving. But first of all, Lord, I want to give you my life. Father, I pray if there's somebody here today that they want to just give their life to you, God, I just pray that in their heart of hearts right now, they just say, I give you my life. You have done so much for me. I offer my life to you as a living sacrifice. And then I want to give to you back some of what you have given me. I want to be generous with my prayers and with my presence and with my gifts and with my service and with my witness. In your name, Lord, I pray. Amen. Jesus said, by this will all men know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's what he said. So let's go.
and love in the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.